This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Nordoff, and you're listening to the Courage Cast. You are in for a treat today. I get to interview a fellow podcaster. Her name is Denise Walsh. She also happens to be one of two of the top producers in her network marketing company, and she'll tell you all about it. We dive deep, we get vulnerable, we discuss her challenges, we discuss her victories, and we talk, most of all, we get very detailed and vulnerable about what is what has been working, what didn't work. Um, we talk about fear and all the different types of fear that that Denise has encountered and, and some of her struggles and how she was able to accomplish what she's been able to accomplish. And I think you're going to be very inspired. She gives some great book recommendations. We do a rapid fire questions at the end as well. And you're not going to want to miss any of it. So Let's dive right into it. My conversation with Denise Walsh. Well, I am so honored to have Denise Walsh from the Dreamcast podcast on uh, with us here on the Courage Cast. Welcome, Denise. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Well, we were talking and chatting a little bit uh, before the podcast started, and um, what I'm I'm t- I can't wait to dive into is we are in you are we're both in network marketing. Uh, you work with another company. I work, of course, with doTERRA. And one of the, I'm just really excited to talk about how you became one of two of the top producers in your company and how you consistently do that. Um, I'm just excited to hear your story. So Start me off wherever you would like as far as what got you into network marketing? Had you done something like that before? And why have you been so successful? A little bit of your story. Awesome. Well, I love, love, love connecting with other network marketers because I feel like we might have different products, but we all are on the same mission and we all want to help people get better. And so there's this like camaraderie that happens when you connect with people who've been in the industry for a while. Um, So I'm actually coming up on my 11th year with our company. It's called It Works Global. And prior to that, I was a clinical psychologist. So I spent my summers in college going to New York and North Carolina to do foster care and home repair missions. So two different types of experiences. But I did camp experiences and I just fell in love with helping people grow and service. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being at those camps and I thought, how do I serve people the best? And um, I was led to Wheaton College, which is right outside Chicago. It's a Christian school and I got my master's in clinical psychology. So Eric, I Mm -hmm. thought I was living the dream. Like that was what I was called to do. I wanted to serve the world and cast belief and love people. And I thought psychology was my best way to do that. So I got my first job at a local community mental health here in Michigan and spent five years working uh, basically for the government in community mental health. And what I found quickly was that I was working with a population that really didn't want to change in a system that honestly really couldn't help them. And I felt what they call a quarter life crisis, like totally burned out. So I don't know. Like where, I don't know um, where your listeners are at their point, but for me, when I heard about my um, the the company that I ended up joining, I was at that space where I knew I wanted something more, but I didn't know what that was. So I was mm. just stuck and kind of spinning my wheels, and my eyes were open to what's what's next, and so. I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have a. I was never did sales before. I really had no experience in business or the industry at all. But I knew I wanted to grow and I wanted something more. And the nine to five job that I had wasn't going to get me nowhere fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you were sitting there, quarter life crisis, getting you nowhere fast. And you decided to 
pursue this? It were, what were your feelings about network marketing, about MLM? What were you, what was your sense about it? Yeah, I I mean, I had to grow a brain cell for it for sure because I was I was mm-hmm. raised by a stay-at-home mom and my dad was an accountant 9 to 5. Um, type of reality, right? And so taking a risk or stepping outside the box was not in my DNA. Uh, It was in my husband's Mm -hmm. DNA, however. His dad was an entrepreneur, owned a gas station when they were growing up and understood multiple streams of income. So my husband, who was an aerospace engineer at the time and like bored in cubicle world, (laughs) he understood (laughs) the vision of, of a company like this. And he was the one that honestly helped to cast vision for me at the beginning when I didn't really understand the industry. I didn't understand residual income. Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn. But the biggest thing I did was I kept showing up. I I went to meetings. I learned. I read books. I, I cultivated that because I didn't know much about it. And the more I learned, the more I fell in love. Hmm. So um, you've been in it. It works for eleven years. Um, so w- did it? Did it happen slowly for you? Was it? Was the the bell curve for you a slower, or was it a rocket ship up? And has it just been high? You know, high high octane from for that entire time? Or kind of tell me a little bit about your journey. Um, for those 11 years. Yeah, absolutely. I have like the biggest grin over here because um, <laughs> we all know that success is never a straight line. <laughs> um, right, and when, right. when I started 11 years ago, we didn't have social media. I mean, I didn't even have a smartphone. So we didn't even have GPS. Like Good I remember. <laughs> you actually had to do it for real. We did. We had to get belly to belly. We had to map quest our way to parties. We had to, we did expos and we, you know, we just got hustling. And so there were a lot of times when, again, because I didn't know what I was doing, I failed forward, right? I remember going to events nervous and scared out of my mind, but kind of faked it till I made it. Um, and within about three years, my husband and I were both able to quit our full-time jobs. So we hustled this as a side gig for about three years. Um, we quit our jobs and then we ended up going to Australia for six weeks and getting the wraps on, you know, all as many Aussies as we could, um, growing our business internationally and then came back and we're full, I was full time. And so throughout all of those different steps, I had to break through my own glass ceiling. I had to, you know, I had to understand, first I had to understand the industry and then I had to kind of grow belief in myself. And then even when I started off full time, I was like, okay, now what do I do? So there was definitely a lot of learning curves along the way. Yeah. Sometimes starting, getting to that place of going full time is more scary because you see this entire calendar and it's all yours at your disposal you you complete control your entire calendar for the most part and that's scary for people it is i mean you have to be your own boss so you get to right you get to set mm-hmm. your own deadlines you get to create goals every single day and there's no one really to hold you accountable except maybe your team but they can only do so much so it truly mm-hmm. is up to you and I remember being like, I don't know what to do right now, so I'm going to read a book and count it as personal development. <laughs> um, but slowly but surely, <laughs> I really learned when I had more time, like how to utilize that time. Because I think when you're busy, you just do it efficiently. And when I let go of my job, yeah. which um, you know they say don't let $50,000 a year keep you from $50,000 a month, um, letting go of the job was an interesting mm story. But now, you know, once you get to the other side, then you really have to take control of your calendar and fill it with productive activities. Yeah. Well, what's your belief about um, reinvesting? I mean, we can go, we, we, we need to have like a three-part conversation, but what's your belief about, you know, once you kind of hit that top rank, because you seem to be somebody that knew how to get started and knew how to hustle and knew how to work and just didn't let failure be your your boundary you know you kind of failed your way forward like you said so what is your belief about multiplying leaders and developing other leaders because you can't do this alone you can only kind of build your business uh yourself to a certain point and eventually you need to raise up leaders so what how was your how did you get that started and and what are some things that you've learned along the way as as you've developed leaders 
Ooh, this is like my favorite topic. Um, first of all, the fear is so normal. So, you know, I, you said I fail forward and I kind of walk through that fear. I've had it all, right? I've had fear of what if it falls apart, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of what will people think, fear of am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do you have people like me? You know, all of those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I learned throughout the years that those were just, that was just kind of like walking through the mud. And mm-hmm. it's part of the journey and it means nothing. And I think so many times we experience those fears and we think maybe this is a sign I shouldn't do it. And what I learned was that's mm-hmm. just part of the game. And so when I experienced those fears, I was able to let go of it and really focus on what I wanted. So I would definitely mm-hmm. say I'm a goal getter. I like a challenge. Uh, and even though I was scared, I kind of pressed into it. But in terms of leadership development and developing community, this is where my psychology stuff like truly got to blossom. And I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. And, and honestly, this is where I can best serve the world, cast belief, love people where they are, but challenge them to move forward because uh, everybody has that spark within them. And I feel like it's my job to help mm-hmm. switch that on uh, where they say, oh my gosh, I can do this and help mm-hmm. to grow their confidence. So a few things that I've done throughout the years is Uh, Number one, I really have my eyes open to other people's strengths, trying to recognize what they're doing well. Because what I've learned Mm -hmm. is that uh, people want to do more of what they're getting praised uh, for. So it's kind of like kindergarten class. The teacher says, thank you so much to Susie, who's raising her hand nicely. And what does everybody do? (laughs) Raise their hand nicely. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) So I really try to, to... identify their strengths and then call that out of them. And, and, you know, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this person is really like loves the products. Let's have them be our product guru for the team or this person, you know, they're the hostess with the mostest. Let's have them um, be the front, you know, the front registration table at the events or, you know, call out those strengths within people. So then they feel like they have a place and an important role within Mm -hmm. the team. And I feel like once that happens, then they kind of plant their flag and they start to bloom. Yeah. We just had, um, we just had our our recent leadership retreat in uh, Orlando and uh, the topic, the theme was strengths, strengths finder. We we Mm -hmm. basically all uh, identified our unique strengths and talents. And, and what we found was that, um, what I learned was that there's, there's only 10 people in the entire United States of what, 300 million population that have your exact same top five strengths. There are, there are literally, there's only one person in the whole world that has your exact top five, uh, top 34 strengths in the, in the exact order. In other words, you are completely unique. And I loved the whole strengths finder. So I'm, I'm loving what you're saying is in terms of recognizing and calling out people's strengths. It's powerful. Well, I love that. That's really interesting information because you, a lot of times when people get started, they kind of have to pretend like they know what they're doing before they really know what they're doing. <laughs> and, and we call yeah. it like, yeah. we would always say faith it till you make it because you're not going to feel that, sh- that confidence until you get out there and actually do it. But the fact of the matter is, is that people are going to relate to you because of you and, and, and you need to go out there and do your thing so you can bring people onto the journey with you because you are, you're, you're unique, you're special, you're, you know, you've got a set of gifts that not anybody else has. And now I have stats for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is your, yeah, you have stats for it. So what is your... <laughs> um, your strategy and ter- let's talk more about community because I, you know, there's a lot of ways that people build this, but you can't do it on your own. So you, you call out their strengths. Like, tell me like the, the, the um, nuts and bolts about kind of how an ideal network marketing community uh, in your eyes should be structured in terms of what are certain people doing? What, what is the activity level that people need to have? You know, what, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. So when you're talking about building community, I do think it comes with giving people a, a stage, giving them a place where their gifts and skills are being used to 
for the betterment of the team. And when they get to that spot where they know they'll be missed if they don't show up or they feel like they're giving back, you know, that connects with their heart and that connects with their sense of service and their sense of purpose. And so we're not just selling products, but we truly are cultivating people and helping people to become better. So identifying their strengths, giving them a role within the team, whether it's on a team call, whether you recognize them and have them share their story after a promotion, whether they have a really great product testimony and you can give them a stage there, but giving them a stage to share um, because most people are really nervous the first time they do that. But once they do, they feel so proud. They start getting friend requests from everybody else on the team. They start um, getting kudos. You know, it's really important for their personal development. But Another thing that I did for leadership development was really focus on my top five to 10 leaders. I My goal was to create a community within the sideline teams to create such a strong relationship with my top five to 10 leaders. And then I would ask them, what's going on with X, Y, and Z in your team? How is this person doing? Who is your next promoter? I would ask them because that meant that they needed to know and I can't micromanage everybody. So they've got to be in the depths of their team knowing who the rising stars are um, and duplicating that within their organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we have an ongoing uh, Voxer group uh, where we are just an ongoing conversation about anything. And sometimes I wonder, you know, I've got to keep this group focused because uh, the, it's me and, and about 15 ladies, you know, so it's, uh, it's very interesting because, um, you know, the, the topics of conversation are, are hilarious. So, but my, my team's kind of unique in that way. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's gotta be fun though, right? Driven. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a much greater appreciation for my wife now that I know uh, more about how women think, but I I certainly haven't gotten that all figured out. So, um, so I want to ask you related to uh, fear. I loved how you said you basically have, you basically encountered every fear imaginable in your business. And I bet you still do encounter fear in your business today. Mm -hmm. Um, So Let's talk about that because on the Courage Cast, we talk about fear. It's about making those day-to-day, moment-by-moment, courageous decisions. So kind of share a little bit about how you look at fear. What is the, the, the mentality that we should have as network marketers about this topic of fear and, and how do you overcome it? Well, I can tell you a couple examples from when we were going through the three years of hitting the top pin level in our company. So it's called Black Diamond. We worked for that goal for three years. And each year, Mm. a new fear would pop up for me. And it wasn't until I truly kind of grabbed a hold of it. I understood what was happening. I... I don't know. I didn't take it as seriously. My, 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 what I wanted got bigger than my fear. That was when we hit our goal. And so the first year, uh, I, you know, we had an income goal. We were, we were, you know, working to hit. And I started to have this fear of, you know, what if we just miss it by a little bit? Or, you know, I started thinking, what if it doesn't happen? Wouldn't that be in- so funny? Wouldn't that be, I, I just started thinking, I, doubt kind of came into my mind and I entertained it. I didn't take my thoughts captive, which I've learned later, uh, but it consumed me. And even though I truly did think we were going to hit our goal, like I was working hard, there was this inner part of me that had doubt. And Mm -hmm. guess what? We didn't hit it. And so the next year we didn't hit it and we hit it, but we missed it by just a few thousand dollars in income. Like it was so stinking close. And I remember um, one of our corporate staff called and said, Denise, you, you missed your goal. And she told me what, what it was. And I said, that's the number I've been thinking all month long. <laughs> and I said, you did it to yourself. You know what I mean? Like we really do create our own realities by what we're thinking and how we're feeling. Yeah. And so that first year I let it consume me. I entertained it. It kind of like that doubt seeped into my soul so the next year, I was a bit bitter, a bit like, oh, whatever. If it happens, it happens. And so I said I wanted this goal. But if you've ever had a goal and then you missed it, and then you like try to go for it again, I, like for me, mm-hmm. I had this sense of like, yeah, right. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see if it really happens. Cynicism. 
Yeah, it was. Right. I mean, I, and right. I was doing the steps and I was working it and I was doing it. But in, in my spirit, I had this little bit of, again, that like doubt took over and I was like, whatever that happens, you know what I mean? So I was a little mm-hmm. bit grouchy. Um, and, and then the third year I decided enough was enough. And this is where I really learned to overcome and take control of my thoughts and decide what I want and focus on that. So in this mm. third year, I started listening to The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale every single day. Mm. It's 30 okay. minutes every single day. And um, earlier you asked uh, about um, re- like reinvesting in your business. And, and I this was the year that I truly learned what that meant. They said, if you have, a, you need to put a portion of your income in, back into personal development. And I like lived that this year, that, that, that year. Um, and so I did, I listened wow. to the strangest secret by Earl Nightingale over and over and over again. <clears throat> and in that book, he talks about you become what you think about. So that year as well, I planned a leadership retreat for our team, which I do not think any of this was an accident. And it was called the come as you will be party. And we pretended like it was the year 2025. And we all came dressed as the person we wanted to be in 2025. So wow. through the months leading up to this, I had to prepare for that. I had to think, who do I want to be? What do I want to have accomplished? Um, what goals do I want to have hit? Like, how do I show up in 2025? What do I look like? What does my family look like? How, where are we living? You know, we had to get really clear. And through the months leading up to this party, I got so clear about what I wanted that even though the doubt, the fear, the what ifs, all of that still happened, like it was still prevalent. It didn't go away completely. But my, the clarity of what I wanted got so big that it drowned out the fear, meaning I didn't take it seriously anymore. And I just, anytime I had the fear pop up, mm. I would like take it captive and like shove it away <laughs> and like turn my, you know, and like totally focus on my goals and focus on what I wanted. And I truly think that listening to The Strangest Secret, you become what you think about, right? So think about who you want to become. And then preparing for the come as you will be yeah. party put me on a new trajectory of really focusing on what I wanted. And we were actually at that event when the CEO texted me and said, oh my gosh, you have one month left for this top income, um, top position. It's six months of a consistent um, income. And he's like, you did it Mm -hmm. five months in a row. You have one month left and we were off and running. And so Uh, I really do think that both of those things helped me to take control of my thoughts, take them captive, focus on what I want, and then run in that direction. Wow. I tell you, that's probably one of the best um, pieces of advice I've I've ever heard from anybody. And one of the more, more real stories, and the fact that it took so long, three years is a long time to work for something. 11 Mm -hmm. years is a long time to work for something, but but 11 years is going to come and go whether you whether you know you do this or not so you might as well do this and get good at it absolutely right? yeah so you did that and you've mastered that so um where where does your faith play in to this as well what are what are some things that um you know your faith really um spoke spoke to you about and how did how did your relationship um with god play into all of this You know, I think that it was when I realized that this is where I was supposed to be, um, that I, Mm -hmm. I grew my confidence. Um, there was a lot of times where I would look at other people and I would say, good for you, but I don't know if I can do it. Um, but when I, (laughs) when I, when I was praying and journaling and I was really like the skill set that I had led me to this position um, in terms of doing a company like this. It would never have been on my radar, but I really do believe that God placed me here. And so connecting to that passion and connecting to that purpose and and knowing that this is where I'm supposed to be allowed me to kind of know that the finish line, like success is already there. So just keep moving. And I was able to kind of take that failure as a speed bump rather than a stop sign. But faith throughout it, that confidence, um, that, you know, the, the faith it before you make it, 
the purpose, all of those things. And then even seeing the best in people, I think my faith has helped me to grow in that area as well. You know, there can be drama when you're working with a lot of of women and, um, and a lot of busy moms, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that come up. And I think I've been able to see through a lens of love and I, and I would attribute Mm -hmm. that to my faith. Yeah. I love that. Well, uh, scripture says you shall know them by their fruit. And um, something I heard yesterday has been ringing in my ears. And it, uh, somebody said, you will know you are a leader when your fruit grows on other people's trees. That's a powerful mm-hmm. thought, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, to think about the fact that, that, that you're impacting. It's a people business. It is, yeah. it is a relationship business. And it's really, it's also a personal development business. We, we realize that the longer we are in it. Um, so I want to give you just a couple of scenarios. Um, and then I have some rapid fire questions for you, if that's okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. All right. So the first scenario is, um, you are, you are, it's, it has to do with communication. So let's say that you begin to work with someone and they are obviously more than a customer. They are a, I think you call them distributors. So yep. they're, they're somebody you're working the business with. Okay. Um, how do you, because I, we've been in scenarios where we start working with someone, we start building and then they go AWOL, they go silent or they stop returning your calls or, you know, like how do you A, prevent that skills that you, you know, and maybe you have a story of, of that happening or many stories of that happening. Um, and what have you learned from those experiences? Oh yeah. That happens to you guys too. Oh good. Um, yeah, that <laughs> certainly happens, um, in my business, even though I've been in for 11 years, that's, that's, we call them kidnappers. Sometimes they purchase the mm. distributor kit and we never hear from them again. But, um, you know, I think it really is my job as the enroller or as the recruiter to, build the relationship from the beginning because it's not in their habit to call me when they have a bad day or to call me when yeah. somebody says no. We, um, Unless we've really established the relationship before they signed up, a lot of times now people are signing up after a few conversations and that's not quite their habit to call me. So it's my job to be the first one to initiate that conversation over the first four to six weeks. So I really try to, Mm -hmm. I have them identify what number they're looking to earn each month. I have them identify their why, because we all know that money is fleeting. And once it's hard, they'll be like, I don't need it anyway. (laughs) I'm fine just the way I am. I know so many people who stay stuck just because it's comfortable then then get outside their comfort zone. So I really try to get that head to heart connection with them. How much income are you looking to make? Why are you looking to make that? What are you going to do with it? How is this going to bless your family? How many hours a week are you like able to put into your business? And are you willing to do what it takes to hit your goals? And and that's a real raw conversation Mm -hmm. with new distributors because we know that it can be done, but it's but it is work. It's not net wishing, right? It's networking. So, uh, so I really try to get their buy-in um, from the beginning. And then I do have ideas for, you know, how to get started and that kind of thing. Give them homework. And then the ones that once they're done, they come back to me. But after the first four to six weeks, I don't chase people too much because I'm kind of like, we're going somewhere and I don't have time to herd sheep. So we have a consistent team schedule. We've got team webinars, a Zoom every week. We've got a team Facebook group. We've got opportunity calls weekly, Facebook events weekly. We've got a lot of things happening and those who want to work will plug in. So I do a lot of one-on-one stuff at the beginning. um, And I really try to, because again, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know how cool our team calls are until they get on them. So I have to be kind of holding their hand at the beginning um, but if if there's somebody that I've been working with consistently and they kind of start fading away, then I'll absolutely say, "Hey, girl, what is going on? You know, you were you were mm-hmm. on fire. You uh, you really wanted to take your kids to Disney this fall. Um, you signed up, you know, customers in your first couple of days. You know, whatever it was, like, what's going on? And usually, I'll find that they are 
they've, their bubble has been burst a little bit. Maybe somebody said, no, they're having a funk or honestly, it could even just be life. And then as a team, mm-hmm. um, we can, we can lock arms with them and help them walk through that experience. Yeah. Yeah. But it's what I'm hearing throughout the whole thing is, is staying in touch and really communicating from the start, setting the pace and setting the tone from the beginning um, mm-hmm. so that there's no doubt of what it's going to take um, for them to, to grow and that they are going to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if they fall away, they are going to be caught. They are going to be communicated with. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you know, if they have to go away, if they say, you know what, I'm just not, people will always speak louder with their actions, I find, than with their words. So um, you'll, you'll find that out pretty quickly. In our business, the way things work is we actually, um, a lot of times, 92% of the people um, sign up as customers, only 8% sign up in, with the intention of building the business. Um, so our, our kind of modus operandi is the first 90 days, they are, we're working on them to become great, great customers, getting them on the loyalty rewards program, getting them to understand the value of the product that they have. And then as, as we grow them, then we, we open up the business opportunity to them. Um, so it's a little bit of a different, different, yeah. I'm sure you do that as well. Well, I love, we know um, that our best customers end up becoming our best distributors for sure. Yeah. I yeah. do feel Sometimes. like if you lead with the product, you get customers. And when you lead with the business, you get distributors. So I often lead with the business. And then if they don't really want to make money, I'm like, okay, you can become a customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's very good. I, I totally agree with that. Um, you get what you focus on. You hit what you focus on. And um, I'm much more in the comfort. My comfort zone is leading with the business. So I'm looking for leaders. I'm looking for people with with interest, with some desire, with some passion, and are willing to work hard. So I definitely lead me personally when I, when I want to, I love the recruiting side and the business development side. So that's more natural for me. My wife is much more the nurturer product type of person. Um, so um, we make kind of a good team. Yeah, uh, by the way, has your husband gotten involved? You said your husband was was encouraging you at the very beginning, and it was that was really what helped. How did you guys? Do you guys partner together in we the business? We do. Yeah, it's been really really fun. So we have very different skill sets, which ends up being really helpful because we both have a role within our business. Brandon is an online marketer, Mm -hmm. a digital marketer. He's got a marketing mind. So he does a lot of Facebook ads and Google stuff and all these things I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And he gets us out there. And then I coach, train, follow up with leads and do the people stuff. So it really, he couldn't be successful without me. And I, you know, couldn't be as successful without him. So it's been a really great partnership. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. What was the most amount of people that you enrolled in one month? Oh, uh, well, this is not okay. Well, I'll tell you my, our highest enrollment was when we had a really low special. <laughs> we had a, a crazy oh, really? low special um, for the distributor kit last year and we enrolled over 250 distributors that month. Um, but that's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. You alone or the yeah. whole team? No, us alone, us alone. It was a lot of um, wow. mass emailing to see who would respond after all of that. Because imagine training all of those new people. But we had a really, just you know, a, a whatever it's called, like a promotion. And, um, yeah. and so, yeah, we worked it. We worked it hard. Um, normally, yeah. I would say... We recruit anywhere between 10 and 30 distributors a month. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that is because we've, we've been generating leads for a long, long time. So we've got a lot of people yeah. that we're following up with consistently. And I always say, if you don't have people to talk to, then you need to generate leads. And if you're generating leads, you've always got new leads coming in, new people in your pipeline, and then people closing. Tell me about um, your process for generating leads and um, your follow-up process. Is it is some of it done autom- with automation, with some email automation, or is it all done basically, you know, phone call, those, you know, traditional methods, or is it a combination of the two? 
Uh, we definitely work smarter, not harder. So there's a lot of automation in terms of um, email lists and autoresponders mm-hmm. going out to customers and new distributors and people who are asking for more information. And then I do, mm-hmm. so that's kind of going on behind the scenes. And then I take my our list, whether it's a Facebook ad or somebody requests information or like a party I went to and referrals. I mean, it's all uh, a lot of the same types mm-hmm. of um, avenues, but then I'll add them to my Google sheet spreadsheet. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of texting to be honest, mm-hmm. because I find most people don't answer their phone anymore. Years ago, I was on the phone yeah. all day long, but now I feel like I do a lot more texting and Facebook voice messaging. So with texting, yeah. I use an app called mighty text and it's only available through Android. And honestly, like I went to an iPhone for two weeks and had to go back to an Android because I oh, needed no. this app. Um, but it's called Mighty Text, and it allows me to text from my computer. So it looks like it's coming mm-hmm. to my phone. It's all individual to all of the people, but I can copy and paste phone numbers and message 25 people at a time. Um, but it's mm-hmm. all individual. So systems like that allow us to just get our hands in front of a lot of people or a message in front of a lot of people, yeah. and then we work with the people who respond back. On average, do you know how much you follow up with your people, with your prospects? Yeah, that's most of my day. Um, I do think that because this is a relationship business, sometimes it's not just like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Sometimes it's, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Hey, thinking about you. You know, How's your family? I'm liking and commenting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I want them to see my name. I'm um, responding to, you know, to what they're posting. I'm engaging in their life. And then when we have a special or promotion, then I'll go back. But uh, it can be several months for sure of building that rapport before they finally say yes. But I find that people Mm -hmm. say yes when they believe that you are going to help them succeed. Meaning Mm -hmm. not that you're going to do the work for them, but like they trust you. They're going to hang onto your coattails and they trust that you will help them. So it's a matter of casting that belief to prospects over and over and over again. You can do it you got this, we'll teach you what we know, you know, like you're kind of constantly mm-hmm. casting vision to, to prospects, but then of course yeah, yeah. to even new distributors as they're getting their feet wet and learning the steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely still a lot of hustle, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know, don't, nobody can tell you that, uh, you know, if you can just sit back and relax. There are seasons, that, gratefully, where the residual income is great and we can take a month off if we want to and, and work on some things and have some family time. And that's one of the beautiful things about network marketing is the, the, the being able to set your own schedule for sure. You have kids, right? You guys? I do. I have two little boys. They're ages yeah. seven and four mm-hmm. and they both have red hair, which is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so you know how do, how do you work around family time and how do you kind of structure your your day yeah. well like you mentioned there were seasons where I was like 10 to 12 hours a day I mean I was doing five to seven parties a week working within my team um, and helping to launch all the new distributors within three to five hours you know I was like really in it um grinding. And then when my children were born, we were already presidential. And then when my son was a baby, we went ambassador. And so um, it's just a beautiful thing because now I certainly am, I have had help throughout their elementary or their baby years. You know, I had a nanny that helped with the house and helped with, um, so I could actually focus and get work done. But what I found throughout those times was that it truly was those power hours. Now I feel like I'm at a really great balance where I can work focused from nine to three when they're in school. And then from three to seven, I'm still on, like I can respond, but I don't schedule things. And then I go back and do our team webinars from eight to 10, um, three days a week. So I've got a fairly consistent schedule where my family is prioritized. I feel like I can be a great mom when I'm a mom and I can be a great leader and influencer when I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you're never going to, you're not going to be a good leader if you can't lead by example um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have a certain sense of, you know, commitment to your family. Otherwise, it's not worth it really, if you have to, I feel like there's seasons, like you said, there's seasons. Yeah. And I feel like so many moms feel like they have to choose. 
they choose, they, you know, they feel like they're sacrificing their family to build their business or they're sacrificing their business to be with their family. And I decided years ago that that I couldn't live like that. I didn't want to live like that. I have goals and dreams of my own and I want to pursue them and I don't want to feel guilty about that, but I love my family and I want to prioritize them. So putting them both in my schedule, like it sounds kind of silly, but Wednesday nights, I don't book events. I just don't because that's when Brandon and I hang out and that's like our date night. Um, And then I can be fully focused when I'm with my kids because I know I do have my work time scheduled and I schedule calls or yeah. I've got things in my calendar. And and then I really do feel like, yeah. I mean, I do, I feel like we can thrive in all areas at the same time and we don't have to choose one over the other. Now I know that you're from Michigan or close to Michigan because you just said calendar and that's what my <laughs> wife says and that's what Mary Beth said. Yeah. about that. Okay. <laughs> Midwesterner. I love it. I love it. Okay. Rapid fire questions. And then we're going to finish. The first question is, and don't give too much thought to this, just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. um, Short answer. All right. right. And uh, no answer is a bad answer. Rapid fire questions. First question. What is the greatest lesson you have learned? I can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Number two, what new things are you just learning now? Hmm. These last few years, the biggest thing that I've learned is that there's this quantum physics side to everything I learned throughout our journey to um, hit our goals. And when you unlock that and you really create momentum in the direction that you want, like things happen, the how shows up like keep taking steps and and I expect that the next step will be right there right when I need it and I experienced that throughout my journey and um it's just continuing to get deeper and deeper like you become what you think about in even quantum physics wise and so um I really spend a lot Wait of time a second. that's very complicated to me quantum <laughs> phys- quantum yeah. physics wise okay you're so- getting way sciencey on me this is geeky Well, if you've ever heard of Dr. Leaf, Dr. Leaf is a neuroscientist and she has done a lot of doctor. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And she opened me up to this world where I realized that it's not just fluffy psychology, nice talk, because I've taught people Mm -hmm. positive thinking for a long time. Um, And there's a part of me that just like, this is nice, but it's like deeper than that. Jesus taught us this. Um, quantum physics confirms it, like science confirms it, that your neural pathways change based on the way that you think and it impacts the energy you put out into the world. Um, I mean, there's just so many cool things that I've been learning over the past few years. And my goal is to continue mm-hmm. to uh, grow and expand and create. And, and I just trust now that the how will show up. I love that. Trust that the how will show up. Uh, number three, how has failure shaped your life? Ooh, you know, I think it's just a, it's a part of the story. It's a part of the journey. And um, I now embrace it because it means that something awesome is coming on the other side. It's like breaking it. through your own personal glass ceiling, just bust through it. Bust through it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's meant to be a sign that you're close to your destiny. Close to your destination. Whenever things get hard, usually it means that you're on the brink of breakthrough. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay. Um, you already mentioned The Strangest Secret, and I'm going to be downloading that next. But what, have, what else have you read that I should read? Ooh. Okay. So a couple of my favorite books are The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Um, for some reason, that one I read early on in my journey, and I just love the fact that it's not about massive change. It's about 1%. 1% change will take you in a completely different direction. I also love the uh, Success Principles by Jack Canfield. That was where I learned about the Come As You Will Be party. I read that in the book and was like, I've got to do that. And then I did the train the trainer program with him. And now I'm a Jack Canfield success principles trainer. So I've learned a lot through the success principles, anything by John Maxwell in terms of communication and cultivating people and pouring belief and adding value. All of that has been Mm -hmm. instrumental to me as well. Yeah. 
I love it. Okay. Um, those are great book suggestions. Um, and actually ones that have never been, none of these have been uh, mentioned on the podcast before. So uh, awesome. Uh, well done. A lot All of right. firsts with you. Um, okay. Number five, what have you done that I should do? And it doesn't have to be related to your business. What have you done that I should do? Ooh, let me think. Um, if you haven't gone to an experiential type training experience, I absolutely recommend it. When I did the train the trainer program with Jack Canfield, he did, we went to the breakthrough to success, one of his kind of week long things. And it's kind of like a camp experience in my mind. If you ever did camp as a kid where you get yourself outside of your normal routine and around people you don't know, where you kind of feel a little bit less vulnerable and you can talk, you can share, you can brainstorm, you can dream. And I feel like those events are where I grow the most and then I can come home and, and implement what I've learned. Yeah, and just you're a different person when you come back. You are. You've rewired your brain. Yeah. You've rewired your brain a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, two more questions. Who do you know that I should know? Who do you I know that you should know? Well, that I need I w- to meet or maybe have on the podcast or talk yeah. to. Well, Dr. Caroline Leaf, if you ever get to know her, I want to know her too. Um, she, We did meet her and I had a chance to talk to her at one point, but she is somebody that introduced the quantum physics and the neuroscience into my psychology world and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, so that stuff has been yeah. really cool. And... Um, but you couldn't yeah. introduce me to her. No, I couldn't. Say, I don't hey, know. Eric, me. No, not yet. I will someday, though. I've decided I'll meet her someday. But you're a stalker. You're I will. Kind of I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm not afraid to keep emailing. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I really think that within our company, we've got a lot of of caring, focused Christian leaders who want the best for everybody. And so, um, I love Mark and Cindy, our CEO, Pam Souter. Um, and some of our top leaders are definitely people that make the world a better place. And so I would love to introduce you to them. In terms of podcasting, mm-hmm. I have met some really cool people who are do business coaching and mm-hmm. um, are helping others to grow on social media. And we've connected with them. One is um, Tanya Green. Another one is Amanda Bucci. I'm following her and learning about her millennial business growth, which is kind mm. of a whole nother mindset. Um, yeah. But those are, are people that I think are adding value to, to even what we're doing. Well, look how abundant you, you've just been, yeah, you've just been so abundant with me. You've just give, <laughs> given me uh, ideas to contact about eight or nine people. So that is so, so generous. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I would love to, uh, to talk with them at some point. So really cool. Maybe I'll get some of those contacts from you later. Um, okay, number seven. How can I? This is the hardest one for some for some reason. People don't know what to say here, and maybe you'll be different. Okay, uh, but how can I add value to you? Ooh, that is a good question. You know, I think right now with where I am. I am wanting to up-level my network. I've had my head down and buried in my business for 11 years. (laughs) And so when I look up, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about continuing to kind of up-level the people that I'm um, hanging out with and getting to know. And so anybody that you think that would be a great person to introduce me to, uh, that's really what I'm excited about right now is, is up-leveling my network and, and um, getting to know those who, have, who are where I want to be and are interested in growth and learning and, um, and being around like-minded people. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's a lot of people on my team that I think you would just love and they're leaders. They would, you would completely relate to one another and I think it would be a great introduction. So yes, you're, you bet. I will, um, we'll talk more afterwards about this. And I think I'm coming on your podcast on Friday. You are. Right? Yeah. Yep. I'm excited to dive into your story as well. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's very varied. Um, but, um, well, this has been so awesome. So you have a podcast, it's called Dreamcast. You want to tell people about that? 
Yeah. So throughout my the years of working our business and breaking through my own personal glass ceiling time and time again, and then going through the train the trainer program with Jack Canfield. And then I this past year did the elite leadership with John Maxwell. So I'm a, now a, a John Maxwell coach as well. I feel like I've got a lot of experience and wisdom and no one to tell. So the um, the podcast has been a really cool place for me to add value easily, not just to my team, because my team hears from me all the time, but to the entire company and right. beyond. So I've really, really loved mm-hmm. being able to, to have that platform. And basically the Dreamcast is we combine science, scripture, and stories to take you from where you are to where you want to be. And I'm really interested in that transition point mm-hmm. where people are in that space spinning their wheels. They don't know what they want, but they know they don't want to be there anymore. And so I help people create um, and connect with their own personal vision to gain clarity. And then once we have clarity, we can create an action plan. And then your job is to simply execute. So we do some solo episodes on there that are connected to to that. I have a workbook coming out in the next six weeks called Dream Life. And it takes people through the process of really identifying your own personal roadblocks. Because guess what? If it were easy, we'd already be where we want to be. So we've got to let go of some things and heal and all of that. So there's space for that. And then also space for really diving into what we want next for our lives and and then creating the action Mm -hmm. plan from there. And then we've got a lot of um, just interviews Mm -hmm. and stories of people who have created their own dream life. And it's, it's been a really cool experience. Yeah, I noticed you have a lot of interviews and and testimonials and and then I love I always love when when somebody has like a specific message they want to give when the host just comes on and talks. So I uh I've really enjoyed listening to it and I'm going to continue to get through the 30 episodes. Um I'm a continual learner as well and I'm an audio geek. Uh so this is definitely um on my radar in my library. It's one of the podcasts that uh, we'll just constantly be there. And um, I'm really in a mode of growing and developing myself, but also growing and developing my team. So I'm looking forward to, I've already gleaned so much from our conversation today. So I am uh, thrilled that you gave of yourself today. And I hope I can continue to be of value to you and and um, be a good connection for you um, in the future for anything that you do. I think it's it's impressive, it's powerful, and there's so much we can learn from you. I want to thank you Denise Walsh for coming on the podcast on the courage cast and, and everybody needs to go and add uh, and subscribe to dreamcast um, your podcast and, um, and continue growing and learning. Thanks Denise. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been a pleasure and a joy to hang out with you. 